0: Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it.
1: Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching, LLC today and schedule your strategic session.
2: Hello, security peeps. We are live with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity, our leadership edition. So it's Breaking into Cybersecurity 2.0. I am Renee Small, back with some wonderful people today. I am the co-host of this fun podcast and also a cybersecurity super recruiter helping amazing talent get into the industry and helping leaders hire great talent. My co-host, Chris, is here. Say hi to everyone, Chris. Hey, everyone. And we are back with the fabulous Sarah Moffitt. She is back. She pretty much launched our leadership series. So Sarah, so happy to have you back. It's great to be
1: here. You know, I think that Chris's introduction is always just a little too long. Just a a little lengthy. Yeah,
2: we we shouldn't even say anything. We should just be like, that's Chris, and on to the next.
0: (laughs) Wow, such such a great group of women. (laughs)
2: says that with love. He loves us. He loves us <laughs> to bits and pieces. So, I am excited because Chris has a short period of time. We're going to be zooming through today, but Sarah and I have been chit-chatting about women leadership, the path to leadership. It got kicked off as I was ranting a little bit telling her about this discussion. Um, part of actually part of um Chris Roberts security shit show events the other night and just talking about people breaking into the industry. And that's the, that's the actual name of it. (laughs) Uh, That's the name of the podcast, which is awesome. But anyway, such an awesome discussion around um, job descriptions, people breaking into the industry and how, um, how women, how people as a whole are getting in, um, how, Women um, have been breaking into the industry. There was, I mean, it was a, a Mod Podge of different topics. In any event, Sarah was giving me some awesome data points and it led us to this topic. So we're gonna jump in and kick it off with this particular question, the path to leadership. So I'm gonna ask Sarah about that, but we're probably gonna take a couple of turns because Sarah is a guru when it comes to some of these, some of the data that's out there that I don't think is being um, uh, broadcast it as much as I think it should be. And um so Sarah, I'm gonna kick it off with you. What's the path to leadership from the leadership guru
1: go? <laughs> there's five levels of leadership, right? So if we're talking cybersecurity, which is technically what we're talking about, right? Um there's the first level is positional. That's we've talked about this before. That's when you get the title of team lead or project lead or whatever, where people have to do what they have to do what you say, because you're their boss. And then there's the next level up, which is um, permission, which is like, that's when you have relationships. That's when people follow you because they want to. And this is according to John Maxwell, who in my opinion is the leadership guru. Um, so you've got that positional leadership um, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's almost like um, positional leadership. I, I think of like rank. You've got the rank. People need to follow you. They have to follow you. And then there's the moral leadership where people follow you because they want to. Um, that's, that's because you've taken time to, to show that you care about them, their initiatives, things like that. So you've got position, permission, then production. And that is when people want to follow you and you're producing big. And I'll tell you what, that is the one level of leadership that you cannot fake you cannot fake being a high producer. You just can't. Um, so people follow you because of what you've done for the organization, and I think that is where most of us aspire to be uh, in cybersecurity leadership. You know, you can be a team lead; people can want to follow you. But when you get to this level where where you people follow you because you have consistently, and that is a word that needs to be part of. Every leadership definition, consistency, Uh, you've consistently shown that you can produce for the organization, that you can produce high caliber results. And then the fourth level of leadership um, is what John Maxwell calls reproduction or people development that's where you are developing other people, right? That's the coaching, leading, mentoring stage. Um, And people follow you because of what you've done for them. So production, people follow you because of what you've done for the organization. And then the people, development level, people follow you because of what you've done for them. And then you've got the pinnacle level, which is uh, people follow you because of who you are and what you represent. So Oprah, basically, if Oprah was in cybersecurity, (laughs) that would be her level. So the path to leadership is... um, Pretty straightforward, right? You need to do good enough work that you get put in charge of something. And by the way, you probably have to ask for that leadership role in a lot of in a lot of situations, right? Hey, uh, for example, I'm kicking off something for the federal government, and they and someone said, "Hey, who wants to lead this?" And I said, "I do, I do." Right? You got to be willing to raise your hand. Um, so you've got to step up to that to that um, to that level. And then once you're at that level and you're starting to lead the team, show them you care about them, show them that you're, that you care about, you know, how to tie their mission with the company mission and, and make that connection. And then you, and then you rise through the ranks and we were talking about this because can I go on to the next point, Renee? Go ahead. Go for it. Uh, in 20, whatever, 19. 2019 <laughs> ISC squared Uh, released their women in cybersecurity report and spoiler alert, compared to men, higher percentages of women cybersecurity professionals are reaching positions such as CTO, VP of IT, IT director, and C-level executive. Did you know that? (laughs) I didn't know that. I don't
2: know how many people know that.
1: You know, um, I knew that and I, and I know a lot of great CISOs that are female and a lot of, I mean, in, in the organization that I work for, we have a lot of really awesome female leaders. So, um, I was recently, uh, part of a conversation in which there was, um, some talk about maybe that women weren't as good at cybersecurity as men and, um. It's vomitous to, me to hear. Oh, actually, <laughs> at, <laughs> at, a woman, at a women's <laughs> event, <nonetheless. laughs> it was a women's event, and it was a woman that said it, and it was. Uh... <laughs>
0: okay. I mean that, that that goes back to what we we've talked about the whole time um, between Renee and I with diversity of thought. Um, men approach situations a certain way; women a different way. Um, Then you add background and um, class and education and experiences. You need all of those different blends of things and thought to have a good rounded security program. Because otherwise, your your attackers are just going to go under what you don't think about because you don't have someone that's thinking different than you to do so. (laughs) <laughs> Some, I sometimes i feel like i'm in an echo chamber
2: <laughs> because we say it so much i mean it's it's bizarre to me that somebody i mean sarah said this and i literally was like like picking my <laughs> chin off the floor because for someone to make a comment and say that you know women aren't like men do better it's just it's
1: it's 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 so ignorant. It's just beyond well, me. And it's, so I think this ties into the, the, the shit show of Chris <laughs> Roberts shit show. Is that what it's called? I feel She's like I'm saying it wrong. Show. Um, this ties into, into the conversation that we were having about that, about how to get more people into cyber and, how, and, you know, for me, it's about how do we get more women and how do we get more diversity in cyber? And I think that, that very narrow view of what cyber is is what prevents most people from getting into cyber so part of if we're going to go down the leadership track which is where we are for this show is it is a leader's responsibility to be the mouthpiece to be the influencer of the organization and show that cyber is not just uh defending a breach it's not just red teams and blue teams it's not just policy there are so many elements of cybersecurity that that are critical and people don't realize how close they are to it already. I have this wonderful, wonderful friend who is the single best painter I've ever seen in my life. She is gifted and she works in cyber doing graphics design for one of those three letter organizations. I've never even heard of it. Some secret squirrel thing. Um, and she does cyber stuff in a way that we would never even think of it, but it's all about graphics and and things like that. Like there are so many paths into cyber. And when, uh, for me, a big point is to get more women into cyber and talk about how the communication aspect of cybersecurity, how tenacious you've got to be to go after a problem, to find the breach, to to find a solution, to, to write the policy, to, to change things, to change how we think about things. Um, The communication, the tenacity, the creativity that's needed in all elements of cyber. I think those are things that are uniquely and innately female in certain ways. I'm not saying that men aren't creative. I'm just saying to Chris's point or to Chris's point uh, that that there are ways that we can talk about what cybersecurity is that goes beyond what people think it is. And that is a way that we can definitely help. Bring about more professionals, more um, more interest in the field, more diversity.
0: Yeah, and one of those ways is the nurturing, the nurturing nature of females. Um, say that ten times fast. But they, if you don't have that care and compassion when you're trying to communicate your message, you 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 can't engage your audience as much. And I think if you can engage your audience at um, such an innate level, you can change. You can work towards changing their behaviors. And
1: oh, can you just pause. That's leadership. That's influence. That's why women are such great leaders in cybersecurity. Okay, keep going.
0: And actually, Chris Roberts brought up um, such a, an interesting post today about being a bull in a China shop, and we're, we're talking about sometimes it, you need that drastic change, but sometimes you also need that gradual change. Um, men can be very good at that break them, bust them up type of approach, but that might only have a, a temporary effect, whereas women might approach it with that gradual nurturing change of psychology approach, and that might have a, a longer-term effect.
1: It might surprise you to know that I am a bull in a a China shop, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone who's ever worked with me is like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) no, that's wrong. We can't do it that way.
2: (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay, while we are here, I want to shout some people out. Michael Nation, Radar Riley says, howdy. George Sprague is back. Chris, you're in trouble when men to women... Run, run, forest, run. That's what he's saying. <laughs> he's joking around with Chris. Um, so Yamara says, Crazy to hear. I find it so hard to find women in cybersecurity outside of LinkedIn. So Sarah, to your to your your stats, your statistics. Yeah. You know, maybe
1: because You're, they're they're deep down working. <laughs> I think they're working, but also what I have found in in very informal polls is that and I see this. There's a there's a Washington, D.C. group that holds a lot of events. And I have flat out refused to go to any of their events anymore because it is almost always for four men to one woman, even though all of the people that are speaking are leaders. And I happen to know that there are more women leaders than men in these roles. But here's here. But so I won't go to these events anymore because I think it's deplorable that more women aren't represented. But here's the problem is that more women aren't stepping up. There are likely, I mean, statistically more women than men in cyber. But um, for whatever reason, women aren't stepping into the spotlight to come and speak at the events to share what they've learned. There's maybe imposter syndrome, maybe they feel that someone else might be this much more skilled in talking about that specific thing, so they don't even throw their hat into the ring, which is why if you do a big survey of who is in leadership, you're going to see that there are more women leaders. But if you just look out um, at your group, you're not going to actually see them because they're not the ones that are speaking at the conferences. They're not the ones that are saying, no, 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 no. I'm the expert here. They're not doing that. The men are used to doing that. And I'm and I'm not speaking stereotypically. I'm just saying dawn of time, progress of evolution, men and women, men have been in more leadership roles, more of what we consider traditional leadership roles. So it's just, you know, you know, when you see the boy on the playground and he's leading the team, he's, he's a leader. But when you see the girl doing it, she's bossy. We've all heard that a million times. And so women, you know, kind of shy away from things where they might be seen as bossy uh, rather than just leading their team. Or so I believe.
0: One of the um, talks at the recent GrimCon talked about imagination and how one of the reasons that we could have this lack of diversity um, within cybersecurity is that a lot of the underrepresented groups don't Can't imagine themselves in the role, and we need those leaders to step up and to show them that they can be in those roles so that they can imagine that this is a future for them.
2: (laughs) This is the
1: whole conversation we had prior to (laughs) this. It's so true, and that's why I mean, we want to see more women in cyber, we want to see more. Diversity in cyber, and we need those leaders. Which is what I do for my comp- for my leading ladies is helping women. One of the uh, one lady that I'm working with, or I wanted to work with her, I'm like, "Hey, do you know that you can speak about data analytics better than anyone else I've ever heard? And you should be you should be in the speaking circuit about that." And she's like, "Why would you ever think that I would do public speaking?" And I'm like. Well, because you're great at it, but it never dawned on her. And I'm just thinking if if all these other gals could see this girl talking about this woman talking about data analytics in such a a, approachable, understandable way and her path into it, there would be, you know, 15 people signed up to do it at the end of the call. So we need more people to step up into those leadership roles and be seen and be heard, which. Bye, Chris. It was great. Chris has to We
2: can't continue on this wonderful conversation with us, but Sarah and I will continue the conversation. Um, so Sarah, sorry to cut you off there.
1: No, and I was just looking at the comment that you have There's shown. so that. many
2: comments. Yeah, I'm gonna put some up. So George says this is common in Israel in that the cybersecurity units in Israel are made up of 75% women. And George, you don't
1: know this, but my spiel—I call women the OGs, the original geeks. I believe that cybersecurity is a woman's field. That we were the ones cracking the code in World World War II. Did you know? Wrote the um, code that make missiles undetectable. We've put man on the moon. Like I think that cybersecurity is a woman's field. So I, I'm glad to hear that Israel is stepping up there. That's powerful.
2: We talked about the pathways into security and I'm trying to see whose comment this is um, about being a licensed cosmetologist and a poet and then trained as an ethical hacker. Whoever this is, I want to talk to you. Me too. I'm writing a book on people who had other completely different careers and then transitioned into security. That's so amazing. I know. They're awesome. And there's so many people
1: like this to, to, to your point. uh-oh, Renee you're frozen. Renee is frozen. I'm just um, gonna we' I'll fill the time when when she's not while well, she's kind of frozen in time. Yeah. there are you you're back.
2: I'm back. Sorry. That's so okay. you're, I feel like sometimes when you're speaking, I'm speaking because we have such you know have seen similar things as we've grown up in this in this career path, you know over the past, I think Sarah has what 20 something years in this, over 15. Yeah. In this space. And I have 17 plus in this space. So like, you know, really seeing what's out there and really, you know, seeing the evolution of some of these things, um, and seeing how many people, like everyone, people seem to make, so this seems like there is this mystery, And trying to make it so difficult and it it, it's mind-boggling to me if we're supposed to have we supposedly have this three million or one million or whatever the number is nowadays skills gap we should be doing everything leadership should be doing everything in our power to educate inform and make young people and all people across all industries aware of the industry and how your skills can transfer. How young people who are coming up, you know, sh- can be a part of this amazing field, and so it 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 frustrates me to no end. Especially when I see people like can't break in, and they, you know, it's all these ninety nine barriers. It's bizarre, and it makes absolutely no sense to me.
1: It it doesn't, and and I think the nice thing is is that I think a lot of the bigger organizations uh, are now starting to look at the way they're writing their p- their position descriptions, their PDs. Um, <laughs> let's not get on that. <laughs> huh? So let's not get on that topic. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I, you know, I mean, when I, when this is, this is, this is something that I think is really important because again, this goes to cybersecurity leadership. If the cybersecurity leaders and managers and supervisors Really looked at what they need their role to do, and not what kind of person they want in it. Like, okay, this or or I guess I'm not really saying it right, but they, I think I- they need to they need to dissect what it is that they need from the role, and not try to architect and sculpt out the exact perfect person that they think they need to fit it. It's it's about looking at what knowledge and skills do they have and then trusting that the organization can help to build those abilities the abilities part of the ksas is unique to each organization
2: and the thing is you touch on such a good point um a lot of times when you say architect this person a lot of times leaders do this I i won't even say leaders managers do this They have a person. They have Sarah. Sarah's been in this role. She's been here for eight years. She started out as this position and then she raised her hand a dozen times for different leadership roles and different things. And now when Sarah is leaving the organization, Sarah has gained so many skills over those eight years, a myriad of skills. And the easy thing to do is say, "I want another Sarah." That's virtually impossible, right? And sometimes, it's truly, I believe, they're running in a, a zillion different directions. Like, okay, I need another person that does this, 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 and this. It's like, wait a minute, that's why you see some of these job discussions. Like, it's eight different people in here because it really is eight different people in there. Because well, and yeah, it goes unfilled here. for a year. And so the funniest thing is, when I was when I was recruiting over at Freddie Mac, I remember telling one of my um, security leaders this. I said, um, "This position's been open for like I don't know, six months, eight months, however." I said, "You could have trained me, <laughs> put me into that in the six months, and then lo and behold, like a couple months, maybe a year later, they brought me over. <laughs> like, hey, come over, you have some great skills, you can do these things." But it's true, a lot of this, every single. Every person I used to hear this a lot from like leadership, not in Freddie, other places where they would say propeller heads. Like every single job isn't an engineer, every single job isn't a pen tester, every single job isn't that, but From media, from, you know, if you're a young person, if I'm looking at, you know, a 10 year old kid or an eight year old kid and they may have heard something about cyber, you know, oh, that's those guys in the hoodies that are, you know, doing this thing with all this code flashing around. And does that look appealing
1: to people? You know, who is that appealing to? I hate it when code is flashing around. (laughs) <laughs> it's like that's not even the job <laughs> I've never I've been in cyber for 15 years and code has never flashed around me not one single time but like a code fly around behind
2: it's like what is going on here I know um it's, so comments
1: yeah what we got
2: what we got. Okay, there is nothing wrong with getting clarity. I think this came from Gina. Some of you, uh, Gina King, there's a Gina Sharp one here and a Gina, Gina King today. So Gina King says, There's nothing wrong with getting clarity. Ladies, if you're in a group that won't let you speak, find another group. Amen. So Ben has a great point, a great question. Do you think our schools, public and university, prepare students for leadership roles? No. Is that something that a young person would have to supplement their education?
1: On? Yes. That's Those are the answers. No, I don't think they do. And yes, a young person would have to supplement, which is hard, right? You need to find a mentor at when you're young. Um, I will say, I think in cyber that it, Um, there's, there are a lot of apprenticeships coming out now, which have kind of a built in mentor, but I would say, um, and I've worked with a lot of, it's hard to be a leader, like a real leader when you're young. It is. So I think leadership is something that, that you need education. You need life education. You need empathy. You need, um, to learn about influence and, um, persuasion and human resources. There's a lot of elements, but I think, you know, long time ago we thought of leaders as somebody, somebody was born to be a leader. That's how we used to think of leaders, right? Just, oh, they're in this lineage. Obviously they're going to be king. And I think now we recognize that leaders aren't born, they're developed. So if you are a young person that, you know, has shown leadership capabilities throughout your education, definitely Start to read about it. Start to practice it at what level, whatever level you're at, because I believe you can be a leader at every single level. If it's just social leadership, whatever it is, you can lead at every level level so that when you get um, a little bit more experience under your belt, you really can step into um, a positional leadership role um, or or, you know, even higher, show your productivity and stuff like that. Do
2: you think, Sarah, um, organizations like Scouts, I I think Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts has now turned, is it turned into Scouts or just Scouts? But anyway, Boy Scouts, original Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, um, and other junior, you know, like junior achievement, things like that are good places. Even student clubs and groups, you know, from a young person's perspective. Sports. To be able to kind of grow.
1: Yeah, sports, exactly. Yeah. I just had this conversation with my son. My son is five and he just started taking Taekwondo and I'm excessively, exceedingly proud of him because he got his first belt faster than anybody else in the no belt club. (laughs) (laughs) He was telling me yesterday that he was on the leader position for his new class and he's only been in his new class for like two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he threw sand on somebody later in the day.
2: (laughs) not
1: exhibiting leadership. Exactly. And he said, well, I'm only a leader in the classroom. And I said, no, you're not. (laughs) If you want to be a leader, you need to lead by example all the time. So I do think those organizations um, are fantastic opportunities and they're, they're fantastic organic opportunities to practice leadership and to start to build your competency in that area from a very young age. Yeah.
2: Um, I think Gina King made the comment about bossy. Oh, Gina Sharp made the comment about when you said, um, you know, men are looked at as aggressive, women are looked at as bossy. Yeah. Um, so, and then Chris, before he left, Keith Chapman's talk about imagination to get more people into cybersecurity. So check that out. people.
1: Oh, I want to look at that. Thanks, Christopher.
2: Yeah, that was a good one. Christoph. Christoph.
1: Um,
2: what does George say? Roll call. I'm in. So George says, I'm in charge of four departments, 100 people each. Roll call communication, and I have more women in leadership positions.
1: George, we knew you, you
2: were because you're George. Like, get with the other guys. I need to
1: move to Israel and be with George on his team
2: and tell him, tell, you know, talk to these guys
1: and make sure that those women have a voice. I mean, I think women need to be encouraged to stand up and speak in a lot of cases because we've been encouraged so many times to sit down and be quiet. Yeah. Right. Men are just taught to take up space. Um, and I think that is changing. So I'm a Gen Xer. I'll say that I don't think millennial women are as, um, I don't know if inhibited is the right word, but it's the only word I can think of right now. There are some things that were taught to me at my generational level that would inhibit me or that would prevent me from speaking up in a way that many of my millennial clients don't have an issue, but they still do need, um, You know, there's there's a level of understanding how to stand up for yourself and how to have a voice without um, being authoritarian versus authoritative. You want to be authoritative. You don't want to be authoritarian. And so that's that's again one of those skills that you kind of learn over time.
2: Right. Gina Sharp, she's a licensed commentologist and poet. Okay, Gina Sharp,
1: we'll be talking. You Gina, friend me on LinkedIn. I'd like to be your best friend.
2: Gina is yes, freaking awesome. Okay. JJ says skills gap equals HR firewall with unrealistic job specs and expectations.
1: The thing is, is that HR isn't <laughs> writing the job specs. It's not HR. HR
2: does not care. HR does not care. I don't know how many times I'm gonna say this. HR is not writing your job description. It HR happen. the HR is not doing this. Hiring managers write
1: job descriptions. Yep. yep
2: if
1: HR is writing your job description. The one part of HR, I will say that I wish had a bigger stake in this. And if anybody wants to know more about this made up position that I've developed, I have created a chief communication officer job for the CIO shop. And that person's job is to be the bridge between the chief learning officer and the chief information officer. Because you know, if you look at the nice cybersecurity workforce framework, there's a lot of learning terminology in there. And so I will say, I think I would like to see human resource offices, especially the learning offices, take a bigger understanding of what cybersecurity needs are, so that they are developing more holistic training and learning opportunities for an organization at large. I'm going to go on a tangent, if you don't mind. So we are entering the era of the Jetsons. Honestly, you know, who doesn't have Rosie vacuuming their floors? It's called a Roomba, right? You could you can get all kinds of food delivered. There's uh, you know, I have a robot here that I can talk to and ask her to do my schedules. Okay, we're entering the era of the Jetsons. And the closer we get into that era, the more cybersecurity is going to be a core competency to every job. There are elements of cybersecurity that are going to be built in, and learning professionals need to be on board with this now, so that they can start building curricula and, and competencies and uh, and the you know the KSA statements for their organization for this for roles because you're not just an accountant anymore. You're an accountant that's dealing with cyber um, risks, right? Everything's on on the web you're not just security, you're cyber security. So I do think that when we are talking about HR, there is uh, it, the chief learning officer role and those directors and, and managers of learning and development need to have cyber competencies and they need to understand what that means to their organization. So I, so I will say HR is not writing the PDs. They're not writing the job descriptions. They're, 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 they're The hiring manager is sending that over and saying, we want someone with 10 years of experience, a CISSP, an LMNOP, and we're going to pay them 50 grand a year. <laughs> and the HR person's like, OK. Yeah. They don't That's- know what that means. They don't, like you said, they don't care. They're doing their job. OK, I'll recruit for this. Right.
2: And I think, I mean, Sarah, you may such such valid points on so many different levels'll I'll pick the job description one in particular um, because I it, it's so funny I don't know if you saw this but there was a job description going around from a security art I don't I think he's a security architect and he it was it's hilarious it's gotten like 50 something thousand views right now and hundreds of probably thousands of comments wow. uh, but he writes something like you know I'm looking for a junior data a junior data scientist and the person has to have 10 years of this 20 years of AWS you know stuff that just wasn't around 20 years ago but he, he listed out one PhD five would be better and like you know it's just the ridiculous jo- joke it, it's a joke okay. but people kind of initially were like is this for real because He's making a play on how ridiculous some of these job descriptions are. And it's it's interesting to me now, you know, when I started, when Chris and I started breaking into cybersecurity, we started it because we saw this bubble of people that were, had degrees, had, you know, cybersecurity degrees, mostly master's degrees, and was struggling to break into the industry. And to me, because Sarah, you know this, and most of the people out here My recruit, you know, people hire my company, people hire me or my company to come in when they're looking for 200K, 15 year, 10 year experience, you know, like the person who's very well seasoned in their career. So it was surprising to me. I thought it was just like, oh, you go get a cyber degree and then you get a job. Like I I thought that, you know. That companies were waiting patiently for people to get that degree and then snapping them up, not realizing that there was this plethora of people walking around and and inside of some of these big organizations, going back to school, getting these degrees and then not being able to transition over. And so that was part of the impetus of starting this. Um, And I'm wondering, like, I, I feel like this job description situation is so crazy and bizarre, and people do not fully understand the way it all works and how HR is in partnership, but HR is at the end. Usually, the way it works in most organizations, leader has a budget, a rec, a, you know, job description, you know, an open rec- requisition for a position, they write it up, they kick it over to HR. HR is the end of the <laughs> the end of the process, like the very bitter end after everything else has been baked. They've gotten their approvals from their managers, from their leaders, from their CTO, CIO, CEO, whoever. And then they say, OK, I want this job. And they come all the way down. Now, HR can do some analysis in the market and see, OK, if I put this out there, you know, you're looking for 10 years of security architect, it says on average. That a job description like this pays X amount of dollars. It could go back to leadership. Leadership could say, well, I only got 75K. It's not, you know, HR is the end of they're the not, road. They're they're doing
1: doing job descriptions. So, you know, and the, I, I will say, I want to say something that um, for those of you who are trying to break into cybersecurity, To my point earlier, all of us are doing something cyber related in our lives. It's just, you know, if you are setting passwords on your devices, if you are using biometrics on your phone, if you have, um, you know, taught someone in your life what hacking means, why your face, why, why Aunt Barbara's Facebook account got hacked you know we we do elements of cybersecurity in our lives in some way shape or form what you need to do is you need to learn how to apply what you have done to your skill set that you already have and there are some people out there on LinkedIn who will tell you that they can help you do that on your resume and they have no experience um and find somebody who's in who is actually in workforce development find somebody who who knows cybersecurity and workforce and HR experientially folks um, and get them to help you pay them if you want, if you can. (laughs) Just what? Oh, (laughs) that is literally not my favorite thing to do. I do do it sometimes for people, but it's not, that's not my jam, but I do it because, you know, it pays the bills sometimes but also but because I want genuinely want to see talented people get into cybersecurity but
2: yeah I agree
1: I can teach you and someone else can teach you how to look at the how to look at the framework how to pull out those KSAs how to apply them but also here's just advice breaking into cybersecurity get some cyber experience you everybody's working from home right now go reach out to the food kitchen up the street and ask them if you can help them you know do something on the internet so that they can get donations right that's cybersecurity find ways to do what you're what you want to do from home volunteer get that experience on your resume because those pds are going unfilled because they're looking for experience And if you do have a degree, so it's like degree or experience nine times out of 10, right? So if you've got the degree and you don't have the experience, you need to get the experience. If you don't have the degree, but you have experience, get the cert, whatever. There's usually a small step that you can take. And I'll tell you what I coach my, what I coach all my clients is anything you want to get. That's five major steps. There's five steps that you need to do to get there. So if you're trying to get into a cyber job and you have a degree, figure out what those five steps are. They might be uh, looking at the framework, figuring out what the KSAs that you have are, volunteering for someone, updating your resume, getting the job. There's five steps. You just need to figure out what those five steps are and go after them every single day. Consistency, which we go back to the beginning of the show when I said, if you want to be a leader, that's the most critical thing that you can be is consistent.
2: Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, JJ, another point. JJ says, give people a chance, take a chance, and help people grow. I 100% yep. agree with that. There's some, another comment down the, the line talking about it. One of the things that I would talk to leaders about, and, and, and this is another kind of like closely held secret out there, it, it was, and it was so interesting to me. So, a couple years ago, I wanted to have, um, I wanted to focus on retention retaining cybersecurity talent, because yeah. what I saw as a big challenge was so many people moving around so quickly. Yeah. And I, I was like, wow, you know, there's a couple of different things that I think that leaders could do to retain their talent that they don't really understand because I was sitting in a sock. Like I was sitting there and I'm seeing, yeah. I'm hearing the conversations, like I'm on the ground with everybody else. I'm not in a, in a closed door. I'm out on the floor and I'm sitting in there and hearing people and the complaints and what have you. the whispers and then lo and behold like people would just quit and because security is one of these fields that you know there's all these open positions and if you do have experience you will get a job very quickly um people were moving around like crazy and I talked to, I had a round, hosted around a couple round tables actually, I talked to some leaders, some very senior leaders in Fortune 500 corporations, um, and talked about this giving people a chance and, and giving, moving people around and, you know, moving people up through the ranks and giving people, especially in some of these large orgs, looking at your internal talent. I think that's so untapped. Like, you know, people are sitting in, Pick a major organization with a degree, with the you know wanting to move around, wanting to get around, and they look externally. So I'll just pick Walmart, for example. I'm not picking on Walmart, but you know it's the number one retail or whatever. You could likely have a bunch of people sitting around in customer service roles or what have you, with cyber degree certifications and things like that, and they're looking outside because they can't get a role inside. And I was waving my hand like, "Hey, folks, people are in your org." And they were like, Well, yeah, we need somebody with experience. And it was it was painful. And this is not not this is not Walmart that I was talking to. But right, it was right, just right. like, Oh no, we'll just, you know, we'll go out and get somebody who has it. And it was like, Are y'all serious? Now some organizations have done a phenomenal job, PWC, AWS, um I think AT&T has a program too. But there's, you know, large organizations that realize like, hey, we have to, we got to do something. You know, they do the reskill, upskill, but there's a lot out there that won't. So if they're not going to retrain their own employees, think about it, giving people a chance and helping them grow without any experience. And that's what's so sad about this.
1: So job rotations is a very simple, easy way. I mean, simple, easy Uh, to give people that internal mobility that they need. And you can even do it. Look, so let's use the Walmart cybersecurity example. All right, so we've got four individuals in the customer service. They have degrees. They don't have experience. Okay, give them a week a month with your sock. Let them shadow somebody. Let them start to get a little bit of experience. You would think. And and that's cheap. cheap, Cheap, cheap. You're that's $12 cute. an hour person, right? It's cheap. And that's, and that's a great way to number one, show that is a great leadership thing because you are um, showing the people at, at every level that you actually care about their personal and professional development, that you are willing to invest in them. And guess what those people do when you do that? They stay.
2: They stay. They are the most loyal employees. That's what everyone's not getting. I'm like, but part of me thinks, I have all kinds of theories, but I wonder if because, you know, if you think about it all the way at the top and how fast they all move around, just the the longevity it takes to kind of like bring people in, rotate them around, stand something like that up, get
1: successes. You know, they might be on to the next thing by the time it all comes to fruition. It, so, does, uh, it does take time to build. But once you've got, I mean, like like you said, there are companies that are doing a great job at this. And I know when, back when I worked at HHS, I was helping to build that. I called it the, um, the Partners in Excellence Revolution peer program, where we were working on, uh, a four-pronged uh, employee retention development uh, leadership development program that started with performance management, which was really looking at the employees and saying, where do you want to go? What are the next certifications that you want to get? What do you see your career trajectory as? That was the first part. The second part was job rotations. Where can we, how can we start getting you on your path by, you know, letting you go over here and someone else comes over here. And that way, we're cross training our folks. We're giving them the additional experiential um, time that they're looking for. Um, we're building up the, the 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 organizations like internal talent and right. skill and knowledge base, which is a yeah. win 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 for the organization. Mentoring, modern mentoring, reverse mentoring, speed mentoring was a big part of it, um, and then also networking, which I think is something that cybersecurity folks don't necessarily do. Um, not all, but I would say a lot A lot of cybersecurity folks tend to be really um, introverted. So kind of giving them opportunities to talk to other people within the organization. What do you do? How do you do it? How can I get into that? What was your path? Start to build those networking opportunities. So um, really, really straightforward uh, internal employee development program that I think was solid.
2: Yeah, 100%. So buddy, I just became friends, LinkedIn friends and online friends with Buddy and he's so awesome already. It's because the education system not awesome already, but I'm I'm learning the awesomeness quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Buddy says it's because the education system moves slower than the technology is evolving. It would be great to see trade schools for IT come to fruition. And Buddy, one of the things we, Sarah and I and Chris talked about a couple of weeks ago on this um, leadership series, where we were talking about the recent executive order um, with the Trump administration in the federal government looking at skills over degrees. And part of the working group for that was a lot of um, they talk Western governors, Western Governor University's president was a part of it. Yeah. Um, technical, more of the that um you know, the trade school model was a part of that. So really looking at how we can get people educated and skilled faster, because at the end of the day, when he talks about skills, it's like that just doesn't mean I'm raising my hand. Like you have to have the skills too. Right. You, you know, it's just not. You know, i How do I do it? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sign me up. That kind of thing. And then um Buddy also says hiring managers should use company based interviews to accurately determine a candidate's competency. I 100% oh, wow. agree with that too. Um, Dr. But One second. Dr. Dan talked about this too. And I will add that another thing that I talked about um, last week was around competency. But then tr- I, I think what would really, really work well is putting a person in the role, like, like pretend to be the person for a period of time. And obviously you can't do that with every every interviewer and in every role, but a mini internship, like a, a day in the life of for an interview, I think would be fantastic.
1: Go ahead. You disagree. I think, okay. So I, I think that skills-based interviews, which skills is a, is part of the competency. Competency is knowledge, skills, and ability. It's the, it's the gathering of all of them. So I think right now, so I will agree with that, but to the skill side. So I think right now, a lot of times, especially in the federal government, we've got knowledge-based interviews. What do you know versus what can you do? And so the federal government is actually moving towards, uh, that was part of the EO, which which was, it's not what you learned in college. In other words, it's not what you know. It's, we're going to give you a skills based aptitude test to make sure that you can actually do do the thing that you can do. So, you know, I go to Western Governors University. I'm graduating with my master's in four weeks. I know. Oh, and then I'm going on vacation. So I will not be on the show that week, whatever week that is I'm going on vacation. Um, but I think the one of the reasons, cause I'm a learning professional, right? I've been doing learning and development for 15 years. And I do think that competency-based learning is very important. And I think that one of the great parts of this education has been, yeah, I have been doing this for 15 years. I have been in leadership. Um, so being able to come in and go, Okay, I know this. I know this. I can prove to you that I know it and that I can do it. Let me move on to the next class. That has been incredibly helpful. um, And I think it's really important. So um,
2: there are a ton of comments. I'm going to run through them real quick because I need to jump off this call. And this sounds like a really great kind of note. You have to jump off, too. I have to write a paper
1: on strategic management.
2: Yeah, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> so George says, why do you think I have women around me in my departments? I'm not stupid. Hint hint.
1: <laughs>
2: oh Lord. Oh Lord, George. George is a
1: keyboard.
2: <laughs> he was on here. He's a blast. Okay, so Ben said Ben thanks us for the answer. Um, okay, buddy disagrees with us on We're going to have to have a bunch of different discussions because there's a lot going on here. Um, We're going to have to continue this. TBD. TBD, because there's so many comments and I have to get on a call. Um, I think the ability to be a leader is based on experience. Start early, build a brand and get some mentors. You can do it. Sharon, (laughs) taking Toastmasters to help put her in a position for leadership. Buddy says
1: influencing individuals. Wait, go back to Sharon for a second. Good for you. Taking Toastmasters. Do yourself a favor and just start talking. Get yourself, uh, um, invite your, invite your uh, Facebook, do a Facebook live on something and start talking into a camera and practicing. Yes. That's my, that's my hint to you. Get yourself in front of a camera. Good
2: advice. Buddy, influencing individuals only leads to short-term results. Empathetic servant leaders work to be a limitless resource for their subordinates, shining the spotlight on others who learn to empower themselves.
1: Influencing people is influencing how they think about themselves, the people around them, and the world at large. It's, it's Influences is the definition of leadership. So that's, yeah. Somebody
2: says, authoritative versus authoritative where when is the webinar yes. so I guess we're gonna have to have that we're having that Danielle unrealistic job descriptions I'm your purple unicorn you just don't realize it oh, so definitely. Um, let's see That's I wanted incredible. to I wanted to hear from um, I know Buddy disagreed with something. In hospitality companies I've worked, the general idea of what hiring managers wanted was submitted to HR. HR would then add additional criteria and make it more, quote, professional-looking, which would often add qualifications. And then Buddy says, uh, information from an HR director. So, Buddy, in my experience, and I think in Sarah's experience as well, um, there was a there was a limited amount of... Uh, So, and and again, this is in cybersecurity, and for me, mostly financial services and Fortune 500 companies and a handful of smaller companies, um, it would be leadership writes the role. Yes, we professionalize it, but we don't completely throw in, like, if you're saying, oh, I want somebody with two years, we don't show up and say, hey, they should have a CISSP, or hey, they should have five years of You know, twenty five years of
1: AWS, and oh, they should have worked at Amazon in nineteen eighty nine. You know, they're not going to do that because they don't understand the qualifications themselves, not to the degree that the hiring managers do. HR is not cybersecurity. They're not going to. They're not going to do that. They they shouldn't be. If they are, they really should not be. And I would say, I mean, I would say from the federal government's perspective, you know, there are PDs that there's a PD library that we that we pick from.
2: So I wanted to answer that one just so that we could um, jump back in. But Romy has some comments. I mean, oh, my God, this is so good. But I have to go. I'm late for my meeting. Okay, Romy says some organizations establish programs to focus on internal training and development for employees within the same program, accommodates internships and makes interns permanent. Love it. Not all organizations have Don't that platform focus. They just want to focus on what they can benefit in upper management and retain market value. He is. And one we love working for those companies. Exactly, and this is the reason why they 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 leave. Last comment. Thanks for the advice, Sarah. Also does a YouTube. She's been doing it for years to get out there. So good stuff.
1: Perfect.
2: And then <laughs> George wants to know why I'm not reading his comment about the curtains, George. <laughs> I'm so done with George. So George kept saying last week we were on a live stream and he's like, what's behind Renee's curtains? What's going on back there? She has Bitcoin. She has this, she has that. And then um, he, he put in what's behind the curtains in Sarah's place. <laughs> he thinks we have
1: cold. <laughs> great outdoors. Just windows, George. If, 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 if we had it like this, then that's just a weird look. It's weird.
2: <laughs> yes, I'm going to open mine up too since he's always harassing me. Voila! Sunshine! No I got sunshine <laughs> on a cloudy day. So silly. Anyway, folks, this was way too much fun. We have to bring Sarah back again because it's so good. So, um, Sarah, thank you so much. I am running. I'm late. And thank you, everyone, for right. these awesome comments. And we'll be back We'll be back next week. Next time on next time. Breaking into
1: Cybersecurity Leadership 2.0.
2: 2.0 featuring Sarah because like oh. she, she's the guru over here. Bye, <laughs> everybody.